Like the Argentinian personality, I started off with hope but was left disappointed and cynical. Welcome, my mere mortalites, to another round of the Mere Mortals Book Reviews. My name is Kyron, host of the Mere Mortals Podcast, but also this one where I dive deeper into the books that I'm reading to give you the juicy information, some themes that we can reflect upon, and maybe even some books from around the world, which might not be in your typical reading calendar, your list. And this one is indeed from around the world, from Argentina. In fact, it is On Heroes and Tombs by Ernesto Sabato, also known as Sobre Heroes y Tumbas in the original Spanish, which is the version that I have here with me. This was published in 1961, and the Spanish language one is about 500 pages in length, and it is dense. It is thick. So it probably took me about 25 hours all up of reading to get through. Now, this book is kind of hard to explain, but it, in essence, it is a novel of tortured love, of self-loathing and madness. So, yes, <laughs> some tasty themes to, to jump into. There's four sections that it's split up into, roughly about 125 pages to each of them, called The Dragon and the Princess, The Invisible Faces, A Report About Blind People, and An Unknown God. Now, the, the book itself is very experimental, so it goes into these passages of intermixing other stories of unknown parts, of italicized portions, talking about a, a kind of like historical running commentary. It's, it's just so many different things going on. Uh, and the main characters themselves, they, they tend to branch out as well. But I can give you the, the general gist of it, which is the first two will follow the, uh, a kind of on-off relationship between two teenagers called Martin and Alejandra, and this takes place in Buenos Aires. Uh, a, the report about blind people, which follows an unknown person, but we later find out is called Fernando, who is kind of obsessed with blind people and, and thinks there's a secret society related to them and is following blind people and getting himself into all sorts of mishaps. And then a man called Bruno, who is talking about his relationship somewhat with all three uh, other characters and, and, and just talking, um, I guess, like a, a general overview slash historical narrative of, of his own relationship with them. So quite a few things going on <laughs> for sure. On the actual book itself and the author, uh, I haven't talked about Ernesto Sabato before, and this is because I haven't read any of his books before. Now, he is kind of from the pre-Latin American boom period, so that period was kind of categorized from the, I suppose, like 1970s to 1980s, maybe even dipping into the 60s. So, this book was a kind of a little bit before that, but uh, it's... I don't think he's really included in that period of uh, people such as Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Carlos Fuentes, um, Mario Vargas Llosa. Uh, those, those kind of people who are renowned, um, Julio Cortazar is also another, and I've, I've reviewed all of those uh, people's books or one of their books, at least on this channel before. So if you want to know what that period is like, you know, go, go check out some of those ones. Uh, but this is kind of before it and maybe is kind of a precursor to that. It does share many of the experimental, I suppose, values that a lot of those books have. But 
I, I don't think strictly it's within it. He also wanted to burn this book. Um, <laughs> apparently, he was unsatisfied with the the actual writing. He, he I wouldn't say he's as prolific as many of the others. Uh, and he, yeah, almost burnt this one, but his, uh, as, as usual, it seems to be the wife is the one saying, no, 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 don't burn it, like publicize it. And this is the book he's kind of most renowned for. So yeah, I um, got the chance to dive into it in the original Spanish as well. So I can give you some detailed learnings that I've taken from that. We'll go into the first theme. And the only really theme that I took from this was lost hope, damaged people spiraling downwards. Yeesh, <laughs> what a theme to start off with. So on the surface, it does actually seem more or less okay. The characters do seem, if, if you kind of saw them at their best period, you'd go, ah, you know, they're just a, a regular person. It seems like they've got their life in order. Martin is, is young and in love. Um, Alejandra is beautiful and from a well-off family. Uh, Fernando is very charismatic when we, we see him in his, his early days. Uh, his cousin Georgina is, is also rich. The Bruno is, seems to be well educated and um, you know has a kind of uh, ability to connect with people. I would say most of the, the characters, and you'd kind of say, yeah, okay, if you took them in their best period, they they just look like a normal human being, and maybe even doing better than the average. Then we get into this next phase where, as the book goes on, we start to learn more about kind of intimate details about them and see some what I would call warning signs but you could probably explain it away as ah it's, it's no big deal it's you know it's a bit strange maybe but you know who knows so when we look at this we kind of see all right Martin's starting to get a little bit obsessed with this girl you know he's he's, he's kind of following around everywhere trying to find her all the time um, she herself is is kind of bipolar a bit she mixes between these periods of you know anger and um, you know even relatively early on in their relationship they both start looking back at earlier periods as being like oh the golden times you know wow what an amazing period that was so we, we kind of start to see okay some warning signs there uh, with Fernando when we dive into his past we see oh okay there's kind of some like ethical mishaps going on here you know he has this kind of obsession with torturing animals that's a bit of a warning sign. You know, he's, he's got this, he's very charismatic and he, he um, kind of seduces this girl and then he also seduces her mother and is playing around with both of them at the same time, marries one of them, squanders all her money. Okay, yeah, this is, this is kind of like not looking so good. And yeah, we, we, we just see these warning signs and but most of the characters, they kind of just play it off. It's like, okay, that's that's... Uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. I'm not going to cut ties with this person completely. And then we get to just these <laughs> explosive actions where it it it, it kind of like dials up from zero to a hundred pretty quick. Or well, we've already seen the warning signs, so maybe from ten to a hundred. I'm going to jump here to page two hundred and thirty six, and this will be very different uh, if you're reading your version of this book because the Spanish language I believe is uh, about 25% larger than English so uh, yeah for this would probably be around page 270 or 80 in, in, in your version 
Uh, and I'm going to try and translate this on the fly from from English uh, into English as well. So bear with me. Uh, and basically, we, we start off with uh, Martin and Alejandra, and they're having these problems. And basically, like she's telling him, uh, I think we, we should break up. I, I don't want to be with you anymore. Uh, and so Martin started to look at, uh, at a brown spot that had appeared upon his jacket, um, a, a dirty jacket. And he said, good. Um, oh, no, she says, and good. Um, I don't know. Neither did I want to have you, um, well, to have one of those famous uh, moments with you. I understand, Martin, um, that we have to basically break up on a good note. Uh, something is not working here. And to be frank, to be honest, I think it would be best if we just stopped seeing each other completely. Uh, he looked at her and uh, the, ear, the tears started to had, um, uh, dried from his face or um, sorry, they started to flow from his face. And he says, good, uh, uh, if, sorry, he says, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> Just straight up, bam. Uh, she looks at him with a grave expression and afterwards um, with a mix of, of um, hardness and, and melancholy in an, ex, in an accent said, uh, I don't know what I can do about that, Martin. And he says, it doesn't matter to you that I'm going to kill myself. She says, of course, like, of course it, it, uh, it matters. Uh, yeah, this is, it, it goes on. This is actually um, harder to translate than it, than it normally is for me. But we see this kind of ramping up of him just going, I, I'm going to kill myself. And then he goes on to explain like, oh, what would you do if I threw myself in front of a, a train in Retiro, which is a, um, a place in, in Buenos Aires or like a train stop. And yeah, this this just happens more and more. There was portions where he's kind of sleeping with her in a room and, you know, he tries to caress her and she just explodes in this anger and fury, like, no me tocas, don't touch me, uh, and goes goes wild. The Fernando, we come to this um, report of about blind people and we don't know his name there and his relation to the other characters. And um, I, I won't particularly spoil that um, because if you're reading the book, it's a it's kind of an important point that, that occurs um, midway through. And he has this quest, I suppose you'd call it, about blind people, this obsession where he starts thinking like, oh... Um, it's not that he starts thinking, he is thinking and we, we just capture him in a moment in time where he is staking out this blind person's um, uh, like hotel or where they live. He's following them during the day. He's getting other people to uh, report about the movements of this blind person. He's trying to delve deep into the society and understand how these blind people all you know, this network is creating like, it's, it's basically like imagine the Illuminati, but for blind people, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of what's going on and how there's a difference between people who were born blind and who became blind uh, from an accident or things like that later on in their life and the, the various levels. And he's breaking into uh, these, you know, hidden mysterious places. And then he, he, goes on this like amazing quest where he gets captured, goes, escapes through this tunnel and then sees this almighty like two towers and this godlike figure in front of him and he's kind of worshipping. It's, it's, it gets very, very strange very quickly. So we, we kind of see that, okay, like what I would, I would take from this is we're really seeing damaged people uh, and they're, they're 
they're going downwards. They're spiraling downwards. We're not seeing improvements of these people in this book. So even all their associates are kind of messed up as well. And we get all of these side characters who are doing, you know, they, they only appear briefly, but um, one guy called uh, de Nave, he wanted revenge on, on Alejandra for something like being too pretty or being too rich or, or, or she, she thought she was better than him or he thought that she thought she was better than him. And so he, you know, is trying to get revenge on her. There's this really weird scene where we're learning about Fernando's past and how he had traveled to Paris and there was this uh, old couple, I believe they sounded old, but I could have got this wrong. And the basically like this man was very abusive towards his wife and basically uh, tied her up on the bed one day and had sex with another woman in front of her to punish her. Uh, We then learn that she pushes him down a set of stairs and paralyzes him. And then constantly from then on, because he's paralyzed, she just brings random men into her room and has sex with them in front of her as like a continual revenge punishment. And Fernando's uh, kind of obsessed with her and, and, and learning more about this couple. And he, this kind of might be his starting of the madness into this descent about learning about blind people and paralyzed people and, and things like that. Um, it's actually very reminiscent of the kind of plot line of Therese Rakin, which I've uh, a French novel by Emile Zola, which I've um, covered on this channel before. And I think it's definitely worth checking out because it, uh, that, that book reflects this in, in, in many ways of, of this kind of theme of damaged people and madness. So what can we all take away from this? Well, the only thing I would really be able to comment on this is just some people are so messed up that they will drag you down. And the best thing is just to stay away from them. This is not a story of, uh, it, it's, it's brutal, but it reflects the book. The, the book kind of has these moments of, okay, you know, things seem kind of normal and then it's just, it, it goes worse. Like the, as the book goes on, everything gets worse. Nothing improves for anyone. And uh, I, I think the only thing you can take away from that is that there is damaged people out there and, you know, if you, you're, you'll have to prepare yourself mentally, physically to, to try and to fix damaged people. And sometimes, you know, there's, there's no helping them. Uh, but that's, that's a kind of irrelevant issue, a side topic for, for this book, which is really just examining this descent into, I guess you'd call madness for, for many of them. So let's go on to my own observations and takeaways while we're at it. The second half of this book is not like, it is unlike the first half. So when I started this off, I was actually giving it some praise and whatnot. I was I was uh, saying, "Wow, okay, yeah, I, I, it's kind of experimental. It's kind of weird, but I, I get it. This this kind of makes sense." And then the second half of it just became more obscure, more bizarre, introducing random stuff in that's talking about communists and anarchists. And I was just going like, "Okay, what? Like, what's what's the point of this? This had never come up before." This seems really irrelevant. Um, at, at the start, it seemed like a very uh, intriguing book. It, 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 it captured my interest because the, it, it kind of hinted at a bad ending, but we're still seeing the, the goodness, the fruits of, of this relationship developing and whatnot. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, so what's going to happen? How, how does this gonna, is this going to end badly? And then just ex- additional characters get thrown in and then 
random storylines and then we start learning about all these different things it just goes okay the the first half is not like the the second half of the book um, now i will i'm always willing to admit my own mistakes here in in my reading of it so one i'm not a fluent spanish speaker i'm conversational i get it but there was plenty of times in this book where i was looking up words in particular it's an argentinian book so there's a bunch of lunfardo which is kind of the the buenos aires dialect this slang words that they put in there and you know there was definitely some words which were kind of even untranslatable because i just didn't have access to the um, the exact meaning of this word although you can infer it and then i was reading this over probably a period of three or four months and the the reason for that was because i was starting to enjoy it less and less uh, so it, it's, this wasn't a constant reading for me. So that also can influence the, uh, the I suppose, overall impression that the novel uh, has, has left on me. What I will say it's good for, it's great for stereotypes. Stereotypes particular of the Argentinian character Alejandra, I think is absolutely nailed spot on. My own observations of the four months that I was in, in Argentina was yeah she she's pretty uh, a pretty good reflection of the the argentinian girl teenager girl and that the this kind of you know she has the latina spirit but also mixed with a a kind of inwards looking um, uh, insecurity almost that you w would say there is there's passion there's jealousy there's uh, beauty that you know she she i felt she reflected a, an argentinian character really really well and even in the book there was a period uh, there's a particular sentence i really wish i'd written it down where the narrator makes a note uh that the argent the typical argentine is is cynical but this was because they started off with a lot of hope and then the world kind of the world and their own country has kind of mm, crushed them somewhat. And yeah, I, I think that's pretty a reflection as well of what I had had taken away from Argentina. I thought they were an amazing people, but also somewhat cynical for, you know, it's just what happens when you live under a, a government which is suboptimal with a lot of corruption and, you know, your your currency is... Uh, devaluing super quickly it, it causes all sorts of weird um, relationships between people and companies and the environment and the atmosphere of, of a place so I thought uh, this book even though it was published 70 years uh, or yeah about 70 years before I was there uh, uh, sorry of 60 years it's pretty reflective of of what my impression of Argentina was like so a thumbs up for that uh, also, a thumbs up for Buenos Aires. The descriptions of the the city, of the places that the characters were going to, I thought were excellent and, and reflective of someone who has lived there. <laughs> so that was really good. And, you know, there were small snippets of of um, Borges, Jorge Luis Borges appears as a kind of cameo character for a little bit, uh, which I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's kind of what it would have been like at the time when he was living there. This is you know the atmosphere that was painted around that i thought was was great as well as a, a character uh, laval lavalle laval um which was an argentinian general who the this is the weird kind of weird stuff where it's this historical fantasy based on a real life person 
where it's talking about his death and it's just adding all these random snippets in right at the end where it's it's, it's kind of confusing it's, it's I, I i didn't see the point of that but the the idea behind it and the the historical context i thought was kind of cool and even just select passages of the actual writing itself there's a there's a difference you get in the spanish language which is is hard to convey in english but it it's 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 a lot more um, uh, poetic i guess i would say if i did say anything that the the poetry of the spanish the spanish language leads itself to a more um, poetic kind of vibe and i'll if you check out the end of month book recap i'll read out a couple of passages which uh obviously won't make that much sense because they're, they're going from Spanish into English, but I, I still think are kind of reflective. So let me give a summary. Overall, this book spiraled downwards, much like the main characters. What was an intriguing mystery of broken love became a mess of random interjections and irrelevant sub-stories of, of side stories. Uh, it has its merits, but these are outweighed heavily by the the longer you spend with it, I guess I would say. So be very prepared for your initial impression of the book to change once you've read the full way through. And to be honest, I kind of wish I hadn't read the full way through. It was, um, I, I just invested so much time that I went, okay, I'm, I'm just going to finish this off. So overall on Heroes and Tombs by Ernesto Sabato, I'm going to give a four and a half out of 10. Not my favorite read ever, not my favorite. And so that is it for today, Mummy Immortalites. Thank you for joining me to this part of the video. What are your thoughts on the Argentinian writing of Ernesto Sabato? Have you read this book? Have you read any of his others? Did you feel it was reflective of the Argentinian character? Am I missing things? What did you take from this book? I would love to know all of that stuff. So best way is to just leave a comment down below. I always um, enjoy seeing them and responding to them. But you can also go check out the Mere Mortals podcast. I tend to reflect some of these uh, thoughts and readings upon that um, podcast with, in conversation with my co-host Juan. And then if you're also really intrigued about supporting us, then I would just go to the www.meremortalspodcast.com slash supporter and you can learn how you can um, help out supporting these, these book reviews and um, the time and energy I spend in this. I follow the value for value model. If you enjoy this, this podcast for these videos, what I'm doing here, uh, I just ask that you, you send that back and you can do that by sharing. You can do that uh, with a, a payment of uh, cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin and send a message through directly to me, uh, which I read out in the end of month book recaps. There's all sorts of things you can do. So once again, very much appreciated for joining me. And I do hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world and that you're not spiraling down into madness and that you have hope in your life. Chiron out. <laughs>